Lesson 13 for March 21 to 27, From Dust to Stars, read by Dr. Percy Harold. Sabbath afternoon, March 21. Before we start, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that as we come to the end of this study of the book of Daniel, that we can look back and see where you have been in history. See where your hand is there. See where your care is for your people. And how that you care for each one of us. We pray that as we conclude this study this week, that your Holy Spirit will guide us, and may we see here more of the love that you have for us through your Son, Jesus. We pray in his dear name. Amen. Our memory text this week is Daniel chapter 12 and verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars for ever and ever. Let's read that again, Daniel 12, verse 3. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars for ever and ever. The book of Daniel begins with Nebuchadnezzar invading Judea and taking captives to Babylon. The book of Daniel concludes, in contrast, with Michael standing up to deliver God's people from end-time Babylon. That is, as shown all through Daniel, in the end, the very end, God works everything out in favour of his people. As we have seen too, Daniel and his companions remain faithful to God and display unparalleled wisdom amid the trials and challenges of the exile. Likewise, when facing tribulation, God's end-time people also will remain faithful, especially during, as it says in Daniel 12 verse 1, a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation. Like Daniel and his friends in Babylon, they will display wisdom and understanding. They will not only experience wisdom as a personal virtue, but will be committed as a consequence of that wisdom to lead others to righteousness. Some will die or be put to death, and thus go back to the dust, but they will be raised to eternity. As the biblical text says, And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, in Daniel 12 and verse 2. Sunday, March 22, Michael, our Prince. Question, read Daniel chapter 12, verse 1. Who changes the course of history at the end of time? How do Romans 8.34 and Hebrews 7.25 help us understand what this text means? Daniel 12, verse 1. At that time, Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one who was found written in the book. And Romans eight thirty four, Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died, and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. And Hebrews seven twenty five. Therefore, 
He is also able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Every chapter of Daniel so far has begun by mentioning the ruler of a pagan nation. Daniel 12 likewise begins with a ruler, but unlike every other chapter, the ruler is a divine prince who rises to deliver God's people from the hands of their enemies. As we glimpsed in our study of Daniel 10, Michael is the same powerful heavenly being who appears to Daniel at the Tigris River. There he emerges as the heavenly representative of God's people. He also appears elsewhere in Daniel as the Son of Man in Daniel 7, the Prince of the Host in Daniel 8, and Messiah the Prince in Daniel 9. Thus Michael, whose name means, Who is like God?, must be none other than Jesus himself. It is important to note the timing of Michael's intervention. According to Daniel 12 verse 1, it occurs at that time. This expression refers to the time just mentioned in Daniel 11:40 to 45. This is the period of time that extends from the fall of the papacy in 1798 to the resurrection at the end of time, as seen in Daniel 12, verse 2, and many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Two important aspects of Michael's work can be inferred from the verb stand, utilized in Daniel 12, verse 1, to describe his action. First, the verb stand evokes the rise of kings to conquer and rule. The verb also primarily connotes a military sense. It shows that Michael acts as a military leader who protects his people and leads them in a special way during the last stages of the great controversy. Second, the verb stand also points to a judgment setting. Michael stands to act as an advocate in the heavenly tribunal. As the Son of Man, he comes before the Ancient of Days to represent God's people during the investigative judgment, as we see in Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 to 14. I watched till thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire, a fiery stream issued, and came forth from before him. A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated, and the books were opened. I watched then because of the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. I watched till the beast was slain, and its body destroyed and given to the burning flame. As for the rest of the beasts, they had their dominion taken away, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time." I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom, that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed." Thus, Michael's rising or standing evokes the military and judicial aspects of his work. In other words, he is invested with the power to defeat God's enemies and with the authority to represent God's people in the heavenly tribunal. And so to finish the day, 
Think about what it means to know that Michael stands in our behalf even now. What hope should that give you, a sinner? Monday, March 23, written in the book. Question. Daniel 12 verse 1 talks about those who are found written in the book. What does that mean? Let's read Daniel 12 1 again. At that time Michael shall stand up, the great prince who stands watch over the sons of your people, and there shall be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation even to that time. And at that time your people shall be delivered, every one who is found written in the book. The time of Michael's intervention also is described as a time of trouble without parallel. This corresponds to the time when God's Spirit will be withdrawn from rebellious humankind. Then the seven last plagues, as expressions of God's wrath upon the nations, will be poured upon the end-time Babylon described in Revelation 16 and in Revelation 18, 20-24. Let's look at that one. Revelation 18, beginning at verse 20. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you holy apostles and prophets, for God has avenged you on her. Then a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and threw it into the sea, saying, Thus with violence the great city Babylon shall be thrown down, and shall not be found any more. The sound of harpists, musicians, flutists, and trumpeters shall not be heard in you any more. No craftsman of any craft shall be found in you any more, and the sound of a millstone shall not be heard in you any more. The light of a lamp shall not shine in you any more, and the voice of bridegroom and bride shall not be heard in you any more. For your merchants were the great men of the earth. For by your sorcery all the nations were deceived, and in her were found the blood of prophets and saints, and of all who were slain on the earth. And the powers of darkness will be unleashed upon the world. Ellen White writes of this time that Satan will then plunge the inhabitants of the earth into one great final trouble. As the angels of God cease to hold in check the fierce winds of human passion, all the elements of strife will be let loose. The whole world will be involved in ruin more terrible than that which came upon Jerusalem of old. Great Controversy, page 614. End of quote. But God's people will be delivered during this terrible time because in the investigative judgment conducted in the heavenly tribunal, they have been vindicated by Jesus, the heavenly high priest, and their names have been written in the book. In order to understand the meaning of this book, we should keep in mind that the Bible mentions two kinds of heavenly books. One contains the names of those who belong to the Lord and is sometimes designated as the book of life, as we read in Exodus 32.32. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book which you have written. And Luke 10, verse 20, Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. And Psalm 69, and verse 28, Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with righteousness. 
and Philippians chapter 4, verse 3. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who laboured with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. And Revelation 17, verse 8. The beast that you saw was and is not, and will ascend out of the bottomless pit and go to perdition. And those who dwell on the earth will marvel, whose names are not written in the book of life, from the foundation of the world, when they see the beast that was and is not, and yet is. In addition to the book of life, the scriptures mention books containing the records of human deeds. We read about this in Psalm 56 and verse 8. You number my wanderings, put my tears into your bottle, are they not in your book? And Malachi 3.16 Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him, for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. And Isaiah chapter 65 verse 6, Behold, it is written before me, I will not keep silence, but will repay, even repay, into their bosom. These are the books used in the heavenly tribunal to determine every person's commitment to the Lord. These are heavenly records, databases, containing the names and deeds of every human being. Some people frown upon the idea of having their names, and especially their deeds, written in heaven. But once we commit our lives to Christ, our names are inscribed in the book of life, and our bad deeds are deleted in the judgment. This heavenly record provides judicial evidence to the entire universe that we belong to Jesus and therefore have the right to be protected during the time of trouble. So to finish the day, why is it that the righteousness of Christ alone, credited to us, is our only hope of being found written in the book? Bring your answer to class for Sabbath. Tuesday, March 24, The Resurrection Question, read Daniel chapter 12, verses 2 and 3. What event is he talking about here, and why, considering what we understand about death, is this event so important to us? Daniel 12, beginning at verse 2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament, and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars for ever and ever. Daniel makes probably the most explicit reference in the Old Testament to the coming resurrection. And, as we reflect on this passage, we can learn some very important truths. First, as the metaphor of sleep indicates, no immortal soul inhabits human bodies. Humans are an indivisible unity of body, mind and spirit. In death, the person ceases to exist and remains unconscious until the resurrection. Second, our text points to the coming resurrection as a reversal of what happens as a consequence of sin. Indeed, the expression translated as dust of the earth in the original language of Daniel 12 verse 2 reads earth of dust. 
This unusual word sequence points back to Genesis 3.19, the only other biblical passage where the word earth precedes the word dust. Let's read that. Genesis 3.19, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. This implies that the death pronouncement made at Adam's fall will be reversed and death will no longer hold sway. As Paul says, death is swallowed up in victory in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 54. Let's read that text. So when this corruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Question. Read Romans chapter 8 verse 18, and Hebrews two fourteen and 15. For what reasons do we not need to fear death? Romans 8, verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And Hebrews 2, verses 14 and 15, Inasmuch then, as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. Death ruins and ends everything here. But we are offered the promise that death does not hold the last word for faithful believers. Death is a vanquished enemy. When Christ breaks the chains of death and emerges resurrected from the tomb, he deals the fatal blow to death. Now we can look beyond the temporary reality of death to the ultimate reality of the life we receive from God in Christ, because Michael stands up, as we read in Daniel 12, verse 1. Those who belong to him also will stand up. They will rise from the earth of dust to shine like the stars for ever and ever. So to finish the day, amid the pains and struggles of life, how can we draw hope and comfort from the promise of the resurrection at the end? Why, in a very real sense, does almost nothing else matter? Wednesday, March 25, The Sealed Book Question. Read Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, and John 14, verse 29. Why is the book of Daniel to be sealed until the time of the end? Daniel 12, verse 4. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. And John fourteen twenty nine. And now I have told you before it comes, that when it does come to pass, you may believe... At the conclusion of the last major section of the book, Daniel chapter 10 through to Daniel chapter 12 verse 4, the prophet receives the command to seal the scroll until the time of the end. In the same breath, the angel predicts that many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. Although some students of Daniel have taken these words as a prediction of a scientific progress, which also could be included in the meaning, 
the context seems to indicate that running to and fro refers to searching the book of Daniel itself. Indeed, as we look back into history, we note that Daniel remained an obscure piece of literature for centuries. It may have been known and studied in some places, but some of its key teachings and prophecies remain mysterious. For example, the prophetic messages related to the purification of the heavenly sanctuary, the judgment, the identity and work of the little horn, along with the time frame related to these prophecies, were far from clear. But from the Protestant Reformation onward, more and more people began to study the book of Daniel. However, it was only at the time of the end the book was finally opened and its contents more fully unveiled, as Ellen G. White notes in The Great Controversy, page 356. Since 1798, the book of Daniel has been unsealed. Knowledge of the prophecies has increased, and many have proclaimed the solemn message of the judgment near. And then, from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Commentary, volume 4, page 879, the commentators have this comment. At the end of the 18th and the beginning of the 19th century, a new interest in the prophecies of Daniel and Revelation was awakened in widely separated places of earth. The study of these prophecies led to a widespread belief that the second advent of Christ was near. Numerous expositors in England, Joseph Wolfe in the Middle East, Manuel Lacunza in South America, and William Miller in the United States, together with a host of other students of the prophecies, declared, on the basis of their study of the prophecies of Daniel, that the second advent was at hand. Today, this conviction has become the driving force of a worldwide movement. And so to finish today... Think about the great advantage that we have today to be able to look back on history and see how these historical prophecies of Daniel have been fulfilled. How should this help us to trust in all of God's promises? Thursday, March 26, The Waiting Time Question, read Daniel 12, verses 5 to 13. How does the book conclude? Then I, Daniel, looked, and there stood two others, one on this river bank and the other on that river bank. And one said to the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, How long shall the fulfilment of these wonders be? Then I heard the man clothed in linen, who was above the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand to heaven, and swore by him who lives for ever, that it shall be for a time, times, and half a time, and when the power of the holy people has been completely shattered, all these things shall be finished. Although I heard, I did not understand. Then I said, My Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, Go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified, made white and refined, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. And from the time that the daily sacrifice is taken away and the abomination of desolation is set up, there shall be one thousand two hundred and ninety days. 
Blessed is he who waits and comes to the 1,335 days. But you go your way till the end, for you shall rest and will arise to your inheritance at the end of the days. Interestingly, this final scene takes place at the river, or the Tigris, the place of Daniel's last major vision, as we saw in Daniel 10 verse 4. However, the word used here is not the common Hebrew word for river, but the term Yeor, which usually designates the Nile River. This reminds us of the Exodus and shows that just as the Lord redeems Israel from Egypt, he will redeem his end-time people. Three prophetic timetables are given. The first one, a time, times and half a time, answers the question, how long shall the fulfilment of these wonders be? In Daniel 12 verse 6. The wonders refers to the things depicted in the vision of Daniel 11, which are an elaboration of Daniel 7 and 8. More specifically, this time period was mentioned in Daniel 7.25 and later in Revelation 11.3, Revelation 12.6, Revelation 12.14 and Revelation 13.5. It also corresponds to the 1,260 years of papal supremacy which extended from AD 538 to 1798. And Daniel 11.32-35 refers to the same persecution without mentioning its duration. The other two time periods, 1290 and 1335 days, answer a question, what shall be the end of these things, posed by Daniel himself to the man clothed in linen? And both begin with the removal of the daily and the setting up of the abomination of desolation. From the lesson on Daniel 8, we learn that the daily refers to the continual intercession of Christ, which was replaced with a counterfeit worship system. Thus, this prophetic period should start in AD 58, when Clovis, king of the Franks, converted to the Catholic faith. This important event paved the way for the union between church and state, which held sway throughout the Middle Ages. Hence, 1,290 days ends in 1798, when the Pope was arrested by the French Emperor Napoleon, and the 1,335 days, the last prophetic period mentioned in Daniel, ended in 1843. This was the time of the Millerite movement and renewed study of the biblical prophecies. It was a time of waiting and hope in the coming of Jesus. And so, to finish today... All through Daniel we see two things, God's people persecuted and God's people ultimately vindicated and saved. How can this reality help us seek to stay faithful regardless of our immediate trials? Friday, March 27. From the book The Great Controversy, page 356, we read, The prophecies present a succession of events leading down to the opening of the judgment. This is especially true of the book of Daniel. But that part of his prophecy which related to the last days, Daniel was bidden to close up and seal to the time of the end. 
Not till we reach this time could a message concerning the judgment be proclaimed based on the fulfilment of these prophecies. But at the time of the end, says the prophet in Daniel 12 verse 4, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall be increased. The Apostle Paul warned the church not to look for the coming of Christ in his day. That day shall not come, he says, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 3. Not till after the great apostasy and the long period of the reign of the man of sin can we look for the advent of our Lord. The man of sin, which also is styled the mystery of iniquity, the son of perdition, and that wicked, represents the papacy, which, as foretold in prophecy, was to maintain its supremacy for 1,260 years. This period ended in 1798. The coming of Christ could not take place before that time. Paul covers with his caution the whole of the Christian dispensation down to the year 1798. It is this side of that time that the message of Christ's second coming is to be proclaimed. End of quote. And that brings us to our three discussion questions for this week. One, what dangers do we face by setting dates for future end-time events? What happens to the faith of many when these predicted events fail to come to pass? What crucial prophetic principle is found in Christ's words in John 14.29 that should help us understand how to use prophecy to our spiritual advantage and avoid the trap of making or believing in false predictions? John 14.29 And now I have told you before it comes that when it does come to pass, you may believe. 2. What is it about the time we live in now, with instant communication as well as amazing scientific advances, that are not always for our own good, that makes the idea of a time of trouble such as never was something not that hard to imagine happening? And three, discuss your answer to Monday's final question on why the gospel, the great truth of Christ's righteousness, is our only hope of being found written in the book. Without that, what hope would we have? Inside Story our mission story this week is titled Crying Happy Tears, and once again that's by Andrew McChesney of Adventist Mission. Larissa Madeline Van Bommel, a university student from Canada, was having a bad day in Germany. First, she got lost. Wandering around for a while, she entered an empty church outside Frankfurt. She had struggled with her faith since her mother had died, and she hadn't prayed or visited a church in two years. I decided to take a seat and ended up praying and pouring my heart out and crying and crying, she said. I asked God for a sign that he is actually out there. During her tears, Van Bommel managed to find the train station, but then got confused and accidentally disembarked from the train in Bensheim instead of bensheim Auerbach. The next train wouldn't come for some time that evening. Tired and thirsty, Van Bommel hunted for water to drink, 
No vending machines were in sight, and all the shops seemed to be closed. Some distance from the train station, Van Bommel spotted a bottle of water and several cups on a table outside a building. Desperately thirsty, she peered into the building's window, saw two young people eating around a kitchen table, and boldly walked in the front door. "'May I buy a glass of water?' she asked. The people promptly invited Van Bommel to join them for the meal. Van Bommel had stumbled across a Seventh-day Adventist community centre called Hope Centre, a place where people attend educational and religious seminars, participate in healthy cooking classes, or simply relax on a comfortable sofa and enjoy free Wi-Fi. Hope Centres are a brainchild of Stimmy de Hoffung, Voice of Hope the German affiliate of the Adventist Church's Hope Channel, and the first two centres opened in Germany in 2017. Plans are in the works to open at least 14 more Hope Centres. After sitting down to eat, Van Bommel noticed a Hope Centre sign in the window and asked about it. Her new acquaintances explained that they were Christians and that their Adventist Church had opened the Hope Centre as a place to mingle and make friends. Abruptly, Van Bommel remembered her prayer for God to prove his existence. I immediately started crying and told them how just a couple of hours ago I had begged God for a sign, and I knew this was it, Van Bommel said. The astonished Adventist praised God. You will never know how much your kindness touched me, Van Bommel, now a student in the Netherlands, wrote in a post on Hope Centre's Facebook page. God bless you, and may many others be blessed by your kindness, she added. The Hope Centre is an incredibly beautiful idea and should be spread throughout Germany, as well as Canada, and the rest of the world. Thanks to you, I'm crying happy tears now. This lesson was read by Dr. Percy Harold for Christian Services for the Blind and Hearing Impaired, Christian Record Services for the Blind, the Sabbath School Department, and Hope Channel. You can also listen on the official Sabbath School 4 app and the Apple iTunes app, Sabbath School with Percy Harold. Remember, God is always faithful.